Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. I am so excited to have you here. Happy Tuesday, if you're listening to this on the day that it came out. I am joined by producer Matt today. Hello. Hi. We were talking earlier today about our sex education, like what that was like in school. Did you have sex ed? I Matt? had. So the closest things that I can think of was like probably like fifth or sixth grade or whatever time like puberty hits mm-hmm. where there was the big like, oh, we're bringing down all of the like, let's say seventh grade boys, bringing all of the seventh grade boys and they're going to be in this art room and yeah. all of the seventh grade girls will be in this art room. And then for the next two hours, we'll like vague book about like puberty and then oh, send right. you on your way. And then my health teacher, like, there was no health class. Like, he would go up and talk. <laughs> but, like, literally his his rule for the class was if you didn't like your grade, literally just Google anything that had to do with health, copy and paste an article into a Word doc and print it, and he would move you up a full letter grade. What? So you just did that four or five times. You had an A in health class. This is the public school. Oh my god! Program. So and you were in Pennsylvania for this. This is yeah. I mean, let's not shame the whole state, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more to give context on like where yeah. we are than anything, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, I had more of like a. Uh, I did have a health teacher and he was very funny very charismatic but there were some things that he would like he would do and say that were kind of strange i will never forget that he he told us that vitamins don't work mm-hmm. <laughs> he said that <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <he> t- <laughs> tell me more yes <laughs> he told us that there was a study that they had done where they had a high school football team they split the team in two and half of them took vitamin c every single day and the other half did not and there was no difference in when these people got sick or not. But like that to me is the silliest thing I've ever heard because they're high schoolers. So they don't have the same experience. Like they could, one could be going out to parties and one could be home. One could be traveling. Like there's so much more. It's not controlled they enough. I also feel like there's more of a reason to take vitamins than so I don't get sick. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right. Right. That's, that's not kind of the like barometer on taking vitamins it was just like i remember that and he would also say normal is just a setting on the washing machine which was a nice sentiment that is i i actually i might steal that so i think what we're trying to say is if we could do it all over again and have a different person come and teach sex ed and health who's who's someone you think you would want to have in there it would be Mariah, who's on the podcast today. And she I'm a fan of her socials, like and ha and have been for a while. Um she just makes content about sex ed that is clear, inclusive, comprehensive. She will answer all of the sex ed questions that you've always thought in your brain and have never felt comfortable verbalizing. Maybe not everybody. I feel like I can throw around these words like it's nothing. Mariah's socials, which are at sex ed files on TikTok and on Instagram, she collects all of these anonymous sex ed questions from her students and even just from people who follow her. And she will answer them as much as she can. And it's just great. She's so bubbly and sweet and smart. She has so much insight to share. I wish I had a sex ed teacher like her. Don't you? 
Very much so. And I think everyone's going to love her. I think so too. So enjoy our episode with Mariah. Hi, Mariah. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on here because I am such a fan of you. And I like, you are just so cool and so smart. And every time everything comes up on my socials, I'm like, I love it. So for people who don't know, Mariah is an inclusive sex educator and she has this amazing social platform called Sex Ed Files. It's on TikTok. It's on Instagram. I actually, I saw earlier today that there were some people who were like saying that you were trying to, oh God, it was something so ridiculous. Like telling children where to buy sex toys and I sort of feel like if you've upset the conservatives you're probably in the right you're doing the right things yeah yeah that I guess this is a one of those moments in your career where it's like okay I've made it maybe (laughs) yeah I guess if Fox Uh, News is like this woman it's you probably are doing really good (laughs) yeah you know that is the perspective I am taking yeah that's because otherwise if I think about it too much yeah it's infuriating it's annoying yeah (laughs) yeah 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 um do you want to give some more color on who you are how you got here and you teach in schools like all that all that good stuff Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Mariah. I have been teaching sex education for about eight years. I grew up in a really conservative and religious kind of home. I'm the oldest of six siblings. So a lot of that has informed my decisions in my career and like pretty much the reason I'm here in the first place. I was really influenced by messages in the Christian church around purity and that along with like sexual abuse made it really confusing as Mm -hmm. as a teen and as an adult and it just the older I got the more apparent it was that like I didn't learn anything about sex anything helpful um in fact a lot of the messages I internalized were very damaging so Yeah. yeah I I think once I was in college, I was able to kind of see the gaps and figured out I wanted to help fill some of those gaps. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting because now that like I've gotten into the sex ed and sex coaching like space, yeah, I have so many conversations with people who say like, I don't remember having sex ed at all. Right. And the sex ed that I had, I was saying before, is essentially the mean girls sex education where it's mm-hmm. don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Like yep. that sort of feels <laughs> like the vibe. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just very glad that you are here. Um, and so you're in California and you teach mm-hmm. in schools out that way. What age group do you teach? Um, anywhere from like middle school, high school. So it's It's a range. So currently, um, I'm working for an organization where we're not currently in schools. On my own with like sex ed file stuff, I still do contract work with schools and stuff because that is, that's where my heart is. Yeah. But I'm in the like curriculum development space now at my like full-time job. Oh, cool. 
but I still work primarily with youth, Mm -hmm. middle school, high school. That's like where it's at. That's where it's at. (laughs) So on your social platforms, you have these anonymous questions and they cover topics that range from like, can a doctor medically tell if you're a virgin, how to find a correct condom size, what semen is made out of and if it has health benefits. That cracked me up. I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> are we counting the, the the minerals and vitamins in that as well? I guess so. Yeah. They want to know everything. And I yeah. love that. I love that people are so curious. And I feel like having the anonymous option really like opens the door for people to ask whatever they want and feel completely comfortable doing so. Um, Yeah, that's like when I first started teaching and I, the anonymous question box has always been a part of my classes Mm -hmm. and I just kept getting some incredible questions and I was like, wow, I want to share these. Like these are so good. And that's when I had started sex ed files was like in 2016 or something like that. And that was the reason was to just share the questions. Um, I didn't do a lot of answering of, of them because I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't answer them on online. I answered mm-hmm. them in the classroom. But I I just kind of shared them to give people an insight into what people are curious about, what youth want to know, mm-hmm. and ultimately why sex education is so important. And yeah, and now I that's my main focus online is to answer the anonymous questions. Yeah, I dedicated a lot more time to that. So yeah, I'm just it. It's so interesting to see how a lot of the questions are the same, even from like, Mm -hmm. six or seven years ago, people are still asking the same things. Yeah, it's cool, especially because I think people people assume adults assume that kids are not thinking about those things because it's not being given to them. They're not in sex ed already. So why would they think about like how to find the correct condom size? But obviously they're thinking about it anyway. Like they're Mm -hmm. already thinking about it. And so it's so much better to be like, okay, cool. Like this is something that people actually want to learn. Kids actually want to learn and you're going to give them the tools so that they know about their own bodies. They know about the function of their bodies, even like their body parts. One of the things I think is like Uh one of my messages is the difference between vagina and vulva. And I didn't learn that until like a couple of years ago, which is embarrassing because I'm 29. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hear you. Oh gosh. There's so many things that I learned for the first time in the process of getting trained to teach yeah like I was like oh well I did not know that yeah Um, and still I'm like I'm learning so much Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's one of the really important parts of being I think on the educator end of sex ed is the commitment to ongoing learning because there's just so much to to learn and things keep changing Mm -hmm. so yeah I I hear you there I did not I didn't know the difference between vulva and vagina until after college. Like. Yeah. And it's also, I grew up in like a relatively religious household. Like it wasn't super, super religious, but it was definitely like a part of our family dynamic. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really have conversations about sex or sexuality at home. And then mm-hmm. in school, it was, you'll get pregnant and die. So yeah. it's like, where am I supposed to learn literally any of this? Right. And and that's always been like so bizarre and like frustrating. Like we're all just supposed to be adults and know how to do everything. Just doesn't yeah. make sense. So I feel like people in this 
in this space have a much different answer to this question than most others would. So in your opinion, when should sex education begin? I mean, I think it can start as soon as someone can talk and understand. Yeah. Because I, sex ed isn't just sex. It's not yeah. like what where do body parts go and how does a penis fit here? Like, yeah. it, it's not just that. There's so many components of sex ed that have to do with life skills and just like understanding how to navigate the world around you, communicate and mm -hmm. have healthy relationships and be safe and keep yourself um, protected as best you can, not, not just sexually or physically, but like emotionally. Yeah. It can start when someone's three years old because there are like there are some important messages that can be brought up around consent, mm -hmm. around um, kind of deciding what feels good and what doesn't feel good, like mm -hmm. whether or not you want to hug your grandma. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. I love that that's a part of like consent conversations now is like hugging or like physical affection with family members. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I'm in an Italian family, like people will hug and kiss each other. And like, yeah, <laughs> now it sort of is nice. I like that I have like, I've built a level of that, that affection into like my life, but mm -hmm. it was not, it was not comfortable all the time when I was a right. kid. And I wish that I had the option to say like, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's the, I, I think that that was the conflicting part of being a young child too. And then feeling like I own my body. It yeah. There's like a disconnection when you're being kind of forced to do little things, like not even just sexually, just you know. Yeah. Like I, it's so funny because it, I don't know. I'm sure actually, I'm sure that you got some version of this when you were older and were, were entering your like sexually active years and mm -hmm. someone at some point told you your body is a temple and you should be <laughs> treating it. Oh yeah. And I'm like my whole life, my body has not been like my choice, it has not had only yeah. my choices being included into the decisions being made. So why are you expecting me now as an adult where mm -hmm. I have some freedom and I have some like agency now to make, make that kind of a choice when like that right. choice was being made for me every step of the way up until now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I totally resonate with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this makes, it makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I think one of the the parts of like sex ed not really like always being about like actual like sex is uh -huh. it's also when you're able to name your body parts you're able to claim them in a different way that you so you can actually feel like ownership and agency yeah. over yourself it's your body there's nothing inappropriate about knowing how your own body works yeah you yeah know? i agree and i there's there's no consequence to these things. Yeah. And that's why it's so frustrating that people, <laughs> a lot of people are so against sex education in schools when it's like, these are just, these are things everyone should, like everyone has the right to. We all have right to bodily autonomy and yeah. sex education supports that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, when you look at the, there's a map, I think, I want to say Planned Parenthood had it somewhere on their website, the map of places that require um, abstinence only education and the map of teenage pregnancy is like a the direct <laughs> correlation is yeah. mind boggling. 
it's yeah it's crazy so i just the insistence to have abstinence only education is so it's not for it like like many things it's like not really for the kids it's for the maybe adults who are uncomfortable i don't even know Mm -hmm. i don't even yeah no there's so i feel like there's a lot of research that supports how abstinence only education is not effective yeah at all yeah Um, it's not it's not. It's not. Um, so you were saying that when you get these questions in your classrooms, mm-hmm. you get a lot of the same questions over and over again, like over the course of years. What are some of the questions that people ask you over and over? A lot of them just have to do with like, is what I'm doing normal? Am mm-hmm. I normal? Yeah. Some variation of that. Um, also, questions related to common myths that have circulated our like society in, in different different ways, like penis size questions. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably the number one question I get. Uh, questions about virginity, like does your cherry pop? Mm-hmm. Is it going to hurt the first time? When should I have sex? Is it normal to be curious about sex? So yeah, a lot of it, like it stems from this feeling of like, I is what I'm doing right? Is it okay? And like, right. that's what's difficult is I think – a sex educator is like I'm not I'm not there to tell a student like what is right and wrong because that's yeah. for that's like for each individual to decide for themselves like that's the whole point is to get to a place where you can make informed decisions for yourself and make decisions that feel good for you yeah. um so yeah those but those are the those are the main ones I would say like if I had to pick two what's the average <laughs> penis size and when should you have sex? That is so That's probably the top two. It's so wild that the penis size conversation comes up that early and that often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're asking it even in like fifth grade. And it's because they're talking about it. They're joking about it. They're like, you know, yeah. those, the like insecurity is already starting because of just like simple jokes or, yeah. I mean, they're not simple. They're, they can be they can lead to some ugh, kids frustrating are, feelings. Kids are cruel. <laughs> kids are cruel. Yes, they are. They will just <laughs> say whatever. And it's just the, the younger they are, the I feel like more likely they are to just say the craziest things. And so especially with things that end up being insecurities, like lifelong insecurities, maybe we squash them early. Maybe yeah. we just give them information <laughs> so that they don't have to do this. Right. I mean – if it were only that simple. I know. then they, some of them discover porn and then those messages continue to be perpetuated. Yep. And it's hard, but that's why comprehensive sex ed can be like transformative. Yeah. Like if, if every state, every place were having these conversations from like a, a comprehensive and inclusive perspective or lens, then maybe we could break some of these cycles. Yeah, we absolutely, we absolutely could. Yeah. What do you feel like is something that you wish people asked you more often that you do, that doesn't really come up on its own? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get so many great questions mm-hmm. that kind of lead into different types of conversations. Yeah. I, 
it kind of feels like we hit everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun to like, you know, give statistics. People never ask about that. I don't yeah. think they care. Like, what's the percentage of this? I don't think they really care about that. <laughs> um so maybe those like some you're like what did fun. I memorize these for if no one's gonna <laughs> right? ask me about them <laughs> I know I love you know I love to give the little fun facts the trivia questions that yeah. they might need later on I mean maybe not at all but maybe they go I to, guess those are the only ones <laughs> they could go to a really um exciting trivia at a bar one day and someone's gonna yeah. ask them what is the difference between the rate of <laughs> orgasm for men and the rate of orgasm for women right and, and they know. will they will know <laughs> They will know. <laughs> what do you feel like is like bare minimum what should be taught? Well, actually, I have a question before that. So when you go, okay. when you get like contracted out to work at these schools, do they usually have you for like a week or a month or a semester? Like how long are you, how much time do you have to cover yeah. literally everything? <laughs> it depends on what the need is. Mm -hmm. So like when I... I'm working with organizations, the way that it works in California is schools, public schools, private too, I think, I don't really know what, they, I mean, they can do whatever they want, right? Most of the time uh, they do this. In California, they have to, every school has to provide comprehensive sex education at least once in middle school and once in high school. And it has to align with the national sex education standards. It has to align with the California Healthy Youth Act, which kind of sets up all of these different standards that need to be included in a sex education curriculum. Mm -hmm. So it ends up being like 12 or 13 different lessons. So I'm usually at a school for like, two weeks mm -hmm. in order to kind of accomplish all of all of that material which is not enough at all yeah it's never enough because it's like there's so much there we're not just talking about stis or right. pregnancy prevention so yeah two i two weeks is typically the standard unless like a school just wanted like a quick presentation on birth control like you right. do an hour presentation but most schools who hire sex educators or organizations who have sex educators, they are wanting to fulfill the the requirement, yeah. the state requirement. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they at least have a state requirement. I don't think we have anything like that in New York. Not when I was in school, for sure. And so that's nice. That feels very progressive. Yeah. I'm pretty sure New York does have it. It would be great if they did. It would be great. Um, so where do you start with with yeah. kids like how do you where do you even begin <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing is like this isn't a history class or a math class or like a you know I it, it's a very sensitive or there are a lot of sensitive topics within a sex education like program or health unit whatever you want to call it and a lot of it requires there to be some sort of trust or established trust so usually like for me, I like to go into a classroom with new students and just kind of like level with them. I I don't like when there's this like clear power dynamic of like, I'm the expert and you don't know anything because yeah. that's not true. Yeah. And that also doesn't feel good when, you know, someone is someone you don't know is coming in to talk to you about things that directly can impact and influence your life in some way. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, I, I really like to involve them as much as possible in the process of establishing that trust. So people being able to share what sort of agreements we want to have mm-hmm. in the next two weeks, like that is a huge part of it. I think that's pretty standard in a lot of sex ed spaces, not yeah. just with youth, but with adults too. Um, I like to bring a lot of things that help with different modes of learning. So visuals also you know, being able to feel things. So I like to bring like crafts and things like that. People like to fidget. And I feel like being able to meet people where they are is, is already going to break some of that ice. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just like to, you know, say how it is. Like it's awkward. This is going to be, it it might be weird and it's okay to laugh. Yeah. And like, we're going to get through this, do what you need to do. If you don't, give a shit about what I'm saying, put your headphones in. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, it's for them to benefit from. Exactly. So I, you know, I think that's once that environment is created, more people are willing to listen and show up or care about what's being said. Um, And ultimately, it's just kind of like cultivating this safe environment, this environment that feels as comfortable as it can be, because I it's not always comfortable to talk about these very like serious topics Mm -hmm. with classmates that you may not even really talk to or, you know, care about. Yeah. 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 I think that's for me, that's how I like to start it. Um, but as far as like the progression of lessons, Mm -hmm. it's, it varies depending on the curriculum you're yeah. using, or if you've created your own, I've created like a mini one. Um, but usually I like to start with like some sort of icebreaker and then anatomy lesson. Cause that, that kind of helps with the, it's like the, the foundation of everything, like understanding bodies. So yeah. it helps <laughs> for all the other lessons to know what, how parts work. So that's usually right. like where you, where that's you the start. first day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's actually, now that I think about it, even more impressive that you're able to go into those rooms and have, like, I remember penis was the funniest thing in the world <laughs> in middle school. Just yeah. the word. Yep. And so for you to go up into that room and just say it over and over, <laughs> it's really impressive. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I remember also in middle school or even high school. Yeah. They played the penis game. Yes. Where you yeah. say it, like, try and say it louder and louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And I was honestly too much of a baby to even play. Like, I yeah, was not yeah, that game. Yeah, me too. There's no way. I was, <laughs> I was still very Christian at that time. So I was like, we're all going to hell. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so when you started in this whole, like, process, mm-hmm. how did you talk to your family about that? Um, uh, we have, like, <laughs> we have an interesting, I have, a, I have an interesting family dynamic and relationship where it's very surface level because there's a lot of uh chaos underneath the surface so it's dangerous territory to talk about anything important (laughs) or serious yeah Yeah. so I they don't really know what I do they don't really care to know I mean like they know my career choice they, yeah. I'm sure they've seen my social media, but it's never a conversation. You know, like I have a lot of family members who are like anti 
sex education, anti-Planned Parenthood, vocally. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're the ones who go to the, like, rallies, like, yeah. for, like, rallies, things like that. So it's it's just not a – it's not a conversation yeah. at all. It's yeah. We, we avoid it. So – that's fine. I mean, I'm the older I get, the more comfortable I am talking about how much my family has influenced, like why I do what I do and why it's important yeah. to me. But they don't necessarily care. Get involved, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like getting older is understanding where boundaries are with things like that. Yes. Like yeah. at a certain point the juice is not worth the squeeze. And if, mm-hmm. if we're just going to talk about what we watched on Netflix that week, that's all, that's fine. Yeah. That is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Like <laughs> just like, to keep peace. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's where I am. I'm also 29. So I'm like okay. at the age where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's boundaries time. Yep. Did yep. your interactions with your friends change at all when you started to study all of this? Um, no, because at the time where I like where I was at the beginning of this, I the people in my circle who were still in my circle, they were equally interested in this stuff. And they were the ones kind of like inspiring conversations around sex and things like polyamory and all of these like topics that I was so interested in and didn't really have a wealth of knowledge for. So, yeah, they those didn't change in terms of like. like in a negative way they definitely supported a lot of like my investment yeah yeah I totally get that I feel like I like I am by no means an expert very much in training and at the sort of infancy of this entire world and I still have friends that will ask me questions now because no one was taught no one was taught literally anything and so we're all just trying to like we are in a way, the blind leading the blind until people mm-hmm. people like you come along and you're like, hold on a second, hold on, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and then you can have like real real conversations and people can actually learn learn things. Yeah, no, I I love when I get the occasional like text like, hey, can yeah. I ask you something really quickly? I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Did your like dating life change when that started to be like? Are you open about? what your job is while when you're dating? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I've been with the, the same partner ever since I started teaching. Oh, that's so awesome. That hasn't changed at all. Like, yeah. it's been, like, he's been really wonderful mm-hmm. and supportive. Like, I get to share a lot of my knowledge and kind of have, um, I don't know, like, I, it, if I were dating though, like I feel like I would still be extremely open yeah. about it. Um, I've had, I mean, cause like we've, we've had um, periods in our relationship where we were open, we explored polyamory. Mm-hmm. And so I've had some, some bad interactions with yeah. dating and like that being my career, like people saying weird comments, but yes, not yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. I get um a lot of like, and my poor boyfriend also gets a lot of these of like, <laughs> wow, your sex must be crazy. And I'm like, yeah. what do you think I do? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you, th- 
there's no swing in my room. <laughs> there is nothing. There's nothing happening yeah. here that's like I I actually feel like most of the people that I know that are sex coaches, work in sex ed, any of this like industry are like primarily the most vanilla people <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Like yeah. rule follower vanilla and it's yeah. so funny and I like I had did, had done um an SAR which I feel like yeah, you, have, yeah. you have to do them which is it's sexual something reassignment sexual do you remember what the a stands for attitude oh yeah yeah yeah. attitude reassessment yeah and it is literally it's part of the process of becoming a sex certified which is the american association of counselors educators and teachers and you literally therapists oh yeah sorry therapists (laughs) we're talking so much about teaching Um, but so you you literally spend a weekend like watching different kinds of porn and then talking about it with other people who are mostly like in my group, it was mostly people who were therapists already and getting Mm -hmm. like additional um, training. And it was, it's meant to reduce any bias or like um, judgment from any of the Mm -hmm. things that people are experiencing. So when I was, when I was watching all of those, I was like, wow, my sex life is so boring. I, there's so much here. And it's just the, the things that I'm doing are so boring in comparison. I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so funny to like, when you, when you actually experience the like detail and, and uh, like amount, amount of different options that are available to you. Yes. How limited we all are like naturally are. Oh yeah, there are so many like I I don't even know what you call. There's so many parts of sex ed that I'm like a baby to. Like I yeah. know I'm not an expert in like kink in the kink community. Like I'm I'm learning so much about that currently, and yeah. I'm like wow. Like you're right. There's so many. It's just vast. Yeah, and it is interesting. Someone who's not in the sex ed world or sex work world. They, the perspective of like, oh, they must, they're obsessed with sex. Right, right. And it's like, I'm not saying that I'm not, but not right. in the way that you think that I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten even some like DMs that are like, you know, or actually not even DMs. Like people have literally said this to me in real life on dates, you know, teach me some things. I want you to uh-huh. teach me some things. And I was like, oh, yeah. What do you think I'm going to teach you? Like, do you want to learn about the, like, the interior of a vulva because I could tell you about the vestibular bulbs if that's what you want to know. I don't know what you want right. me to teach you. Literally my comment section. Is like, yeah. Oh, that's oh my annoying. God. I'm sure. Honestly, you are a warrior and a hero for doing all of that stuff <laughs> online. Especially on oh TikTok. God. You have so many followers on TikTok and your TikToks get so many views what what is like what is the comment section like yeah you know what like I feel like I've been really lucky with my TikTok journey so far Mm -hmm. because so many people are they are people are there and following me because they are genuinely curious and they want to learn and you know that just I get so I get a lot of people who are like I I never learned this yeah school never taught me this. I learn more here than I ever learn at school. Like it's a lot of that. I do get 
the occasional gross comments of yeah. like you should do a demonstration oh yeah um, mm-hmm. I would love if you were my teacher blah 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 like just gross annoying things mm-hmm. and I just ignore them or I delete them yeah yeah but as far as like hate goes I haven't received a lot of that knock on wood like thankfully I think a lot of that has to do with maybe the way that I present information I try to make it as like palatable as possible and like accessible as possible um and I use a lot of sources and like a lot of like medically reviewed and accurate information that's so you can't like argue right right you know because it's facts yeah totally (laughs) So I, yeah, I, the comment section isn't as wild as you might think. I mean, that could change some, some videos that go really, really viral. Of course. Yeah. There's going to be a lot in there, but yeah, it's, I think the algorithm has like, has put you in a really nice place where the people who are finding you are interested in exactly what you're talking about. Yes. That's beautiful. I am very happy with the algorithm right now. When I did the circle, I mm-hmm. thought for sure I was mentally preparing for like fundamentalists to be yeah. in my DMs and telling me that like I was going to hell. And yeah. I I honestly didn't get any of that and I was floored. So I don't know if like the algorithm just put put us in a good place. I also think there's there's a bit of it that's like if you're talking about things in a way that's so, like you said, like research backed, you're not giving an opinion, you're just telling, you're giving actual just plain information. Mm-hmm. There's very little that people can say beyond like, you shouldn't be sharing this, like whatever. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, you know what? There's also a lot of privilege, probably. Like I, yeah. like we're both conventionally attractive people. And- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And- <laughs> like cis women yeah it's we're typically not the people that people are gonna go you know talk shit about and Mm -hmm. hate crime on the regular in the comment section so that definitely has a lot a lot to do with it because there's so many like there's so many trans folks and uh people of like black people of color who are doing this work and their comment section yeah. It's very different than mine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I, I think all the time about the things – I have, like, a lot of guilt about, like, my following being what it is because I am in the infancy of all of this, have not been able right. to, like, dedicate – a ton of time to it yet. Now I've, I like just quit my, my full-time job. So now I can oh. actually finish my certification and uh, do the whole thing. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, but, but I feel really guilty about it because I know that like that audience comes from being a white cisgender heteronormative woman and people want to like follow me because they're just like interested in what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. there are so many people who have dedicated their lives to this and don't get the same platform. And it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to like disregard the platform because I'm happy to have it, but it also sometimes doesn't, doesn't feel as earned as Mm -hmm. these other people who have spent their whole life doing this. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where, we have a lot of responsibility to like yeah. point to other platforms and like consistently acknowledge and honor the work that 
kind of paved the way for us to even be here or like even talk yeah. about this stuff really. So yeah, I like I think I I like that about TikTok is um that kind of dynamic exists a lot and I mean at least what I've noticed with mm-hmm. a lot of the sex educators and therapists on there. Um like there's a lot of like shouting out and like tagging and I love that. So I yeah I definitely want to continue to do that. I think that we've also entered a a space where on socials, there's more accountability with stuff like that. Like it it would be, it happens all the time, but you're more likely to be called out if you're taking somebody's like idea or like information and not crediting them. Like someone hopefully in the comments will shame you because you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So there's someone on the internet police that will tell you, you know, and and I'm happy about that. Like there should be accountability there. And I think it's like part of the culture now. And, and that is great. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, But on the note of of you being an inclusive sex educator, what does that mean for you? Like when you use the word inclusive sex educator as part of your title, what does that mean? Yeah, I, it's primarily regarding like the language that I use. And when I'm talking about anything related to sex, sex education relationships, I am not centering like heteronormative experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm often centering queer experiences and queer people. Um, But it's also because of that, it is inclusive to everyone and for everybody. Um, So yeah, all of the like, if you watch any of my videos, like I, I don't, I'm not talking about one specific body or person and um, almost every single piece of information can is, is applicable to everyone's experience. So that is like, that's the the lens and approach that I have. Um, and I think that's also why a lot of people can like relate to it because it's not specific to one person. I think there's also the side of the, this sex ed influencer world um, that like people are trying to sell something like sex toys only mm-hmm. for like people with the vulva and like it can just get I don't know it's that's not <laughs> that's not all we should be talking about sort of thing yeah um so yeah that is the that's kind of where I'm at when I um use that title it's really in um the content I'm presenting the information I'm presenting and how I'm presenting it and who I'm centering yeah I love that. And I appreciate that very much about the way that you present all of your content too, especially because a lot of the research that's done is done in a very like heteronormative way. So it's like, this mm-hmm. is, this is research about men and women. Yeah. And, and it's hard because when you want to do everything based on like research and studies and all this stuff, there isn't a ton there that is, that exists outside of like gender binary. Yeah. And it's like, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. And I'm sure when you, when you go into these classrooms too, being able to be inclusive probably also makes them feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more like welcomed in that experience. Do you have students who, um, who've like reached out to you and told, told you that they've sort of like discovered parts of their sexuality that they didn't really feel comfortable with before because of that level of comfort that you created for them? 
Yeah, definitely. I've received a lot of those in the anonymous question box, like people just sharing their experience or thanking Mm -hmm. the experience. And that is always like, that feels really good because I'm, I'm just thinking like, wow, I like, I would have loved this if I were a young person, you know, that's a lot of what some of this work comes back to is like what I did not receive as a young person, what I would have needed. And like, those that like feedback totally validates that I don't know I'm doing something right we're doing something right yeah (laughs) doing something important yeah that's awesome it's such a good feeling totally how did um your teaching change when things like Roe v. Roe v. Wade was overturned like was that I can't imagine what that environment must have been like to teach in. Yeah, there's like, there's definitely a lot more fear around, like a fear and more intention when people are asking questions. Like some of the questions are more specific, like how do I get this type of birth control? And like, when will it start working? I need it to start working now sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think in a classroom, most youth now are just so, I don't know, they're like, they're so in their heads, they're on their phones. It's really, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to have like (laughs) a discussion or to get people to engage. And I think that's just because everyone is on their phones these days. Like I I think it it has a lot to do with that. Uh, So a lot of people aren't vocal about their feelings or questions out loud. But I just I see it all show up in the anonymous question box. That's where all of the truth comes out. That's yeah. where, um, you know, like that's that's where it is. And so I can definitely see a shift in there being just some fear around what they're asking or more urgency. That's the word I'm thinking about, like a sense mm-hmm. of urgency. Um, like if I need this, where would I go? Are you sure a a teen in California can get an abortion? Like all these questions that are very specific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that anonymous question box, I think is like one of the coolest ways to ask and receive questions from people because they, it removes any like shame and totally boundary that you would have to have or you know you could just be able to ask whatever you would like and some of the questions that you've posted like not even the ones that are coming with an answer but the like just note card that you post mm-hmm. are so funny sometimes <laughs> yeah oh yeah I I that's the I think that's the tricky part about some of the the ones that I share are usually like they're not extreme, but they're like some of the funnier ones or yeah. entertaining ones. Um, I don't get to answer every single question in class. Yeah. That's the reality. Um, but in my personal opinion, all of their questions are valid and really, really good, even the funny ones, because there's always like there's there's little something you can learn from each question. Yeah. But I totally agree. There's it it removes the shame um, and that's like in a sex ed class that's one of the biggest things like there's so much like fear around raising your hand i get it i would not want to do that either so i think for a lot of students or and they've even told me this is like they could care less about the powerpoint they could care less about the powerpoint the questions are their favorite like yeah that's that's the only part that they really enjoy and Um. i 
I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so do you normally, if you have time, you'll do like Q&A or like you'll go through questions at the end of like however many classes so that... Yeah, I try to do it every single day. So like if I were out of school for two weeks, the anonymous question box is there every single day. Um, and at the end of class, like I'll have before they leave, everyone puts their note card in the box and then I'll answer it the following day, mm-hmm. usually like at the top of class. So I, I dedicate like 15 minutes in total of class time to Q&A. Usually classes are like 45 minutes to an hour. So it depends. Yeah. It's always a part of it. I I make it a priority. Yeah. I love that. You're the sex ed teacher everyone should have had. We all deserve sex ed. I feel it. I'm like. Oh, my God. It's (laughs) it's so cool and it's such an important job. Um, And I just like love it. I just love it. It's so great. Yeah. And so I like now, now that you've created this platform, you've Mm -hmm. also been a really amazing advocate for like the full spectrum of of people that need to be advocated for. And I really admire that in you because it's hard to, it's hard to be an advocate for all of these things without feeling like you're like shoving it in people's faces or, Mm. or making people like feel bad or whatever. And I think you do a really good job of like, of integrating all of those things in. And it just seems like it's just like it feels natural to you. You're like, well, mm-hmm. this is this is important, so I'm obviously going to share it. Yeah. And so, and I I appreciate that so much about the way that you like hold space in your in your channel. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank I, you so much. Of course. Um, <laughs> do you feel like there are ways that um, people can be like even like listeners outside of the the mm-hmm. field can be better advocates in sort of like a day to day way for, I mean, there's like a million things to advocate for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things. I think like being open to learning is one of the biggest ones is, and being intentional in, in learning, Mm -hmm. being open is like the first step, but then going further and doing research, reading books. um, And then there are some practical ways like <laughs> mutual aid, sharing things on your story consistently, highlighting different people. And yeah, I, I think like you can also show up physically like going to, I mean, there's so many like small actions you can take, but in my opinion, it's all about your like desire to do those things. Mm-hmm. Like, showing up authentically because it never feels good to just like, I don't know, hand someone some money and be like, I'm never talking to you again. Or I'm I'm not going to, I'm already done my part. Right. Like that does not, that's not helpful. Right. So you have to truly be invested um, and willing to show up, but also not be like the center of attention. Yeah. Well, that's also something that is so interesting too. The the line of like being an advocate and also having an audience because I remember even like when like the height of BLM marching was happening mm-hmm. during the pandemic when people like an influencer would post in the middle of a march and I'm like this who is this for because it's certainly not for the cause. Like what is this? Right. And it was so cringy and weird and so 
Um, it's hard to know when <laughs> you're sharing because you it's important to share versus you're like trying to put yourself on a pedestal of like, look what I did, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like those cringy videos when people post themselves like giving a homeless person money or food. Oh, I'm like this is not this is not okay. Like you, like you are the worst. Oh my god, this is like not really that related, but it is sort of related. Have you seen the clip from the Tyra Bank show where she talked about homelessness? Well, first of all, she spent an entire an entire day like cosplaying. Not cosplaying. That's not the word. I mean that's. It makes sense, but that's not the word that I mean. <laughs> Pretending to be a homeless person. Like, she put herself... Oh, my gosh. It's so This, this wasn't recent, was it? No, no, no. This was, this like, was like her early horrible days. Yes. It was like early 2000s. Oh it's so bad. And then, and then later, she, I think on America's Next Top Model, referenced that. And she was like, homelessness is a really... It's an issue really close to my heart because on the Tyra Banks show, I was oh, homeless for a day. I was like, what yeah, is yeah. happening? <laughs> it's like, that is like the worst way to frame advocacy in the world. Like, if you yeah. want to be helpful to homeless people, that's absolutely fine. Not like that. Yeah, exactly. Because that totally centers her. Yeah. And like, her not... And her fake experience, I just can't. Yeah, yeah. It's just so bad. Yeah, so <laughs> I think you are an exemplary uh, advocate for all of the things that you do advocate for. Because you do it in, like, a very authentic way. It's, like, very much about, you know, what you're talking about. And I feel like – like, I definitely overthink the way that I would present all of that. And it just, like – it's so helpful that you're you're doing that and, like, showing up in such an authentic way like that. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so everybody who comes on the show, I ask them what their number one piece of dating advice would be. And Ooh. do you have anything that comes to mind? Doesn't have to be like one thing. Wow, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, this is I've never been asked about dating advice. Oh my god! I... What? Who's not asking a sex ed teacher about dating advice? <laughs> Look, I I think I'm still learning how to like interact with adults. Yeah. <laughs> I so much of my career has been yeah, kid. My audience has been youth, and so you know, real life adult shit. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I mean, because my mind immediately goes to, oh, okay, in our communication lesson. It's, like, <laughs> it's so cute. Respect, healthy communication. I mean, yeah, but that of applies as adults too. Oh, it totally does. It totally does. Um, so, <laughs> I think so much of like the advice I have in life has to do with like trusting your gut and your intuition. Like I'm a, I'm a Libra and a very indecisive <gasps> Me too. person. Oh, you are? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I like... sympathize with the indecisiveness. I can't make a decision to save my life. Yeah, I I feel you. And what it always ends up being is like what I what my gut really wanted, what I feel in my bones. Yeah. It's hard to identify it at first, but like now I, I'm a little bit more in tune with those things. Um, but all the, the best decisions I've ever made have had to do with like what I 
what I felt that the little, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like just a little intuition. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that in relationships in terms of knowing who to date, knowing if a situation feels safe, those are the things like trusting yourself, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. (laughs) I think that is helpful. I think especially- It's not tangible. But especially now where people are back out dating like the way that we were Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, people are out and they're enjoying all of these like dates with strangers. And I think a lot of the time, especially for anyone who's like femme presenting or feels like a little bit, they play in the femme role, they- you're more willing to just do something to like be polite. Yeah. And yeah. if your gut is telling you that like you should not be getting in a cab with them, you should not be yeah. going to the apartment, <laughs> you should not make a second date, like you the following your gut is very important. Totally. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And even like I think some people stay in relationships because they or continue to date someone even if it's not fully a relationship because like I'm just going to give it a chance, but if your gut is telling yeah. you it's not right, then it probably is not right. Yeah. That's that's definitely another thing that comes to mind with dating is like don't you don't have to settle yeah just because like you're comfortable or you feel like you have to please somebody do what you need to do like yeah do what you need to do I love that I think that's beautiful advice Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well I appreciate you coming on so much I like I just adore you you're cute as a button and smart as shit and so I am I like love and appreciate you existing on all of these platforms so much and mm-hmm. everyone needs to go on Instagram and TikTok and follow Sex Ed Files <laughs> follow Mariah you will literally I feel like people don't understand how um in depth you actually get with like you have like a diagram yeah, yeah. you're putting like <laughs> the internal condom in the diagram I'm like this this girl is just, I love it. I'm a visual learner. So if I can provide some visuals, I will. Yes. I love it. I love it. You are welcome back literally anytime. And maybe we'll try and do some Q and A's with you in the future. Oh my gosh. That would be so fun. I think it'd be so fun. <laughs> Everyone better follow you. Do you have any other like projects coming up or do we, are we just following you on your socials? Just the socials. I'm too busy. I don't really. I get that. <laughs> Try not to commit to too much at the moment. Understood. So. Understood. Yeah. Understood. And that that in and of itself is a skill to just be like, I'm not. It's too busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that very much. Well, thank you for coming on. And thanks so much for having me. Of course, anytime. Thank you so much for listening as a reminder we are always accepting questions about sex ed about relationships life advice we will accept it all we would love to hear from you so send us an email to alissa explains it all pod at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs>